Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Unbreakable with Ellen Kay. Our topic this week is Usher syndrome. Elle was born with Usher syndrome, so she's going to lead us off with the three types. Hi, everybody. So, the yes, there are three types of Usher syndrome, um, and they're very basic. They don't have different names. There's literally type one, type two, and type three. Um, but type one is <clears throat> causes profound deafness and vision loss. Um, which is caused by retinitis pigmentosa. I'll get into that later, um, which will be noticed before the age of 10. And then you go to type 2, um, which causes moderate hearing loss. The retinitis pigmentosa may not become apparent until later in life, adolescence. Um, speech assistance um, comes in handy, like lip reading, hearing aids, cochlear implants, depending on what condition you have, um, will usually be your primary method of communication. Um, and then you have type 3, which is the rarest form, and that occurs with <clears throat> with higher frequencies in individuals, for some reason, of Jewish and Finnish heritages. Hmm. They're still working on the DNA of that. It, it's kind of interesting, but... Children usually have normal hearing and vision at birth and then develop the hearing and the loss of, of sight in adolescence or later on in life. Okay. As with that being said, Usher syndrome is a genetic disease that obviously causes hearing loss and vision loss. And sometimes, and in my case, also balance problems. Um and Usher syndrome is known as a recessive, which means that um, both of the parents had to have that recessive gene to give to that child. Oh, no wonder it's so rare. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Most common question is, how rare is it that, to put it this way, um, like I said, both parents have to be carriers in the recessive gene. And there's still only a 25% chance of each child they have of having Usher syndrome. Even if they both have it. Wow. Yes. So in effect, that's four to 17 out of 100,000 people. Wow. Teeny, tiny, tiny, teeny, Marty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so, yeah. So type one, also I should uh, make notice about type one and type two, as I mentioned before, three is the most rare. So type one and type two are obviously the most common um, in most countries. Now, which type do you have? I have type two. So my personal experience from type two would be, yes, I was born with what they, I don't know what the, the um, terminology, current terminology is now, but what they call bilateral nerve deafness, mm -hmm. uh, which was indicated around two years old is when I started realizing because with this type of deafness, the way that they explained it to me was imagine that you're like there's little gaps in your nerves. So they're just kind of severed slightly, but not completely. So there's that, like a lot of the sound, you know, most sounds will get through, but there's just certain sounds that just cannot be picked up. Mm -hmm. for, you know. So that was the, that was the best visual I could put to describe that kind of a hearing loss. Right. Um, so uh, I had hearing aids by the age of four. And then 
again, no idea what Usher was, just thought it was deaf. Um, and then when I was 16, I started noticing um, floaters. Mm -hmm. And, and um, when I'm treated for that for years, noticed that I had issues staying in the dark. Um, that went untreated. Um, everything pretty much was, you know, just under radar. Like nobody really said anything. You know, they would throw some glasses at me or whatever, but nobody really would acknowledge that anything was really, anything else was really going on. Mm -hmm. um, until um, an ophthalmologist finally had me do like a field test, um, right? Optical field test to test your peripheral. Mm -hmm. And mine, I wasn't registering anything because my peripheral was, go was going. And um, so that's when he referred me to a specialist. And that's when the specialist was like, You have ushers. I'm sorry, you have Usher syndrome. Yeah. He's like, you have Usher syndrome and and this, you know, here's the information and here's the website and, you know. So I was 25. So that was how many years in a gap? Wow. That's a long time. It is. Yeah. Um, and then from getting the diagnosis of the RP and then the Usher, yeah, I, it was definitely less than 10 years. And then I... Um, was no longer able to drive mm -hmm. and have had my first cataract surgery in my left eye mm -hmm. um, because the RP, retinitis pigmentosa, the type of blindness that comes with this, actually causes cataracts in your eyes on wow. top of, you know, the blood vessel problems and seeing your own retina and you know, st stuff like that. Because there's not enough problems already with it, so. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's been up until now, that, that's kind of been the, the, the experience in general term. So, like, you were talking about balance issues, too. Do you have that as well? I do, actually. Um, I never, you know, I was always a klutz. I just assumed that was why. I was, oh, well, I'm a klutz, you know. Now that... I realize that I had both of the conditions, have done the research, have seen doctors and everything. You know, they people forget that a lot of your balance comes from in your ear, your mm -hmm. inner ear. Mm -hmm. So if anything, you know, is messed up, deformed, whatever, makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and especially as your vision gets worse, of course, your balance is going to get a little bit more thrown off. I think it just makes sense. So like what type of, um, do you use any sort of support? Oh yeah. I have, um, I have a cane, but most people see it, I guess as a support cane as opposed to identifying myself to the world as I can't see you. Um, right. So the cane really where people, where people tap in front of them. It's not that kind of cane. No, no. Right. Cause I'm not there yet. I don't necessarily need that yet. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people in my place will just get a regular support cane like you would see people walking with, and it's red and white, like the long cane is. Mm -hmm. So it's supposed to be assumed that people know what that is, but people don't. So um, red and white means blindness, I'm basically? You're, that person is visually impaired. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> okay, see, a lot of, that's what I'm saying. It, it, the lack of education, yeah. 
it's not your fault. It's just a lot of lack of education. So, you know, you go anywhere and you get frustrated because there's no way to identify yourself. Right. Without, you know, telling every single person or screaming it at a crowd or, you know. So, and then, of course, the fact that people think blind means completely blind. Well, no, there's different levels of blind, just like there's different levels of deafness and mm-hmm. there's different levels of everything else. So, um People all, you know, so I imagine, you know, glasses, everything. So I imagine people are not as supportive because they think you can see just fine. Mm, People who know me are very supportive. People who don't know. Right. Right. um, So, I mean, what is it? What's it like when you go to like regular, like busy places like shopping? You know, oh, my gosh. Is it bad? I'm always, yeah, I'm always exhausted by the time I get home um, because when you're in a situation like you are when you have Usher, first of all, two of your main senses are diminished, mm-hmm. right? And so you have to rely on other people, unfortunately, but other people aren't, can't always be relied on. Um, and so when you go to go shopping or, you know, you may go with your friend, you can rely on them. That's great. You're good to go. But everybody else around you either doesn't care, not paying attention, doesn't know, you know, doesn't realize that I don't see them coming towards me. And then I get, a, you know, I get my roommate gets a, a glare from them because I'm not paying attention according to them, you know, so you're constantly getting those kind of things and the doctor's office is just being, you know, around strange people. Mm -hmm. You don't know who you're sitting around. You don't know what people are doing. Um, Vision and hearing again, you know, is essential and, you know, to feel part of how you feel safe knowing what's going on. So it does cause a lot of anxiety just to be out in public. I think it would for me too, because you can't drive. So Mm-hmm. How, how do you get to these places if you don't have a friend to take you? Oh, transportation is horrible. Um, for someone like me, it's basically, if I'm lucky, I have someone I know take me. And if not, then it's public transportation. And uh, it scares me, again, for the same reason. The anxiety goes up. Um, you know, every person, you know, strange mm-hmm. people, somebody who's supposedly you know, license to drive, you're supposed to trust that person. It doesn't work that way for me, you know. Right. It's just a whole bunch of stuff that adds to <clears throat> the situation. And there's a lot of people I don't trust driving, and I can see what they're doing. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I attest to that, too. <laughs> so, yeah, I can imagine. Um, mm. I think for me, too, like just listening to you talk, like, being alone, I think, would scare me the most. I mean, what is that like? Being alone for a long period of time, yeah, that is, that's really hard. Uh, I'm so grateful that, A, I don't live alone, and B, that I have my fur babies. Because if it wasn't for them, I mean, they they keep me sane some days, you know, basically. Because mm-hmm. it just, they understand you, they support you, you know, they love you, and... Um, I have a dog and a cat, so the dog is definitely going to let me know, um, if 
if I am alone, you know, everything's triple locked, quadruple locked, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just, I do everything I can to make myself feel safe, even if it may seem extreme to other people. Mm -hmm. And, um, so at some point, yes, I would, I said I have a cat and a dog. I would like to um, apply for a program to get a therapy dog as Connor gets older because I know it's eventually going to happen and I'm going to need that um, because he's been a big help to me all these years. So. Aww. Yeah. Aww. It's hard to think yeah. about. And I'll stay with him long enough. I know. <laughs> yeah. But that does sound like it would be really helpful in your situation to have a trained therapy dog. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They And they help so many people, not just people with ushers or, you know, people who are blind or deaf. I mean, people who just have anxiety or different, you know, mental issues or mental health issues and stuff like that. It's been proven they help. They help so much. So um, pretty sure a lot of people can attest to it. When you go out on a date with somebody, um, what are some of the challenges that you have just in going on the date? Okay. Well, first of all, I mentioned, obviously, that driving is going to be an issue. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of times um, I will take longer to actually meet that person mm -hmm. um, just because I may have to rely on them for a ride. Um, or I will take trouble transportation. You know, I try to... You know, be as smart as possible and as safe as possible about it. Yeah, like, do you ever feel like you're more at risk of being in danger with somebody because it's harder for you to communicate with them before you meet them, and then having to meet them, you might have to rely on them too much? Um, to be honest, I'm the wrong person to ask that because with my history, it's no different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, I'm just as vulnerable now as I was before. Okay. Um, so for me, it's just I'm more aware of the vulnerability. So for me, maybe I'm just even more cautious than I was. Got you. So okay. I, I guess that would be better. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, but you were saying how, um, you know, you have to kind of depend on a friend to help you in the store or... Like, let's mm -hmm. say you're going to dinner or something. Oh, that's the other thing, yeah. Um, thank you for bringing that, yeah. Um, that's also another thing. If you want to go to dinner with me, um, this is probably going to be next to impossible because most restaurants have really low lighting, right? Mm-hmm, true. And especially True. the nicer the restaurant you go, the darker the restaurant is. Yeah, I, isn't that funny? It's the ambiance. It's irritating as all get out. I, uh, I, I kind of like to see my food, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I like to be able to see the person across the table that I'm conversating with. I like to be able to see my food. I actually like to read my menu without holding it up to my face and squinting and hoping to God I'm reading it right. You know, I mean, simple things like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you ever feel like you might be missing out on certain signs? Like, I know, like, for me, like, if I'm with somebody new, I'll study. I'll study them. I'll see if their eyes are shifty or if they're looking down a lot or, you know, things like that. Like, do you miss – do you feel like you miss any of those subtle cues that other people might see? I, I 
don't think so because I think I pay more attention to those sorts of things. I always have been that way, but as my vision has become lesser, you know, I, I, I focus more on the person, on that individual. So I am constantly observing, you know, body language, um, context of speech, um, like you said, eye movement, stuff like that. Um, so those are things that have kind of always been a part of me, even when I was deaf before the vision. So it's just kind of increased as time has gone on. So maybe I am missing, but I, I'm, I don't, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> you haven't had any issues that you're aware of. So that's a good yeah. sign. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've heard that some people say that if you are missing some of your senses, some of your other senses are heightened. So do you think mm -hmm. that maybe your instincts are actually more sharp because you have to try harder to? Could be, could be. That would be nice. I would like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to be like, you know, pat myself and oh, yeah, totally. Uh -huh. Yeah. Right. Um, but I would like to think so because, you know, I, I, um, I've grown a lot since mm -hmm. all of this has started happening in, in many different ways. Mm -hmm. And and this has helped me to observe people in in different ways. No, in, no pun intended, but li literally be more attentive and 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 um, pick up on cues and, and things like that. That's good. And I mean, I would think that a lot of people that do become close to you um, have sort of passed the test because they're not, they're not swayed by some of the limitations that you do have. So that's probably a good thing too, right? That's usually the biggest hurdle. Yeah. For me is finding people that truly accept you and, or are willing to under, try and understand or whatever the case may be, you know, similar to that. It, it is very rare. Yeah, oh. I'm sure it is. I mean, people in general are not usually very, Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever word anybody wants to put on the end of that exactly. sentence. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So okay, so let's say you were to meet somebody who is just starting to get like just got this diagnosis. What kind of advice would you give to them? First, it's okay. I know it sucks. You're gonna cry, you're gonna be scared, you're gonna lose abilities to do things. Life is going to change, but it doesn't mean that it all has to be negative. There's still value in everyone's life. Absolutely. I mean, I know society will tell you if you're limited, you know. Yep. You have less value. Yeah. Right. And, it, and, and it's just not true. It's that we're not given opportunities to show our values. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's really good advice because, you know, with any any kind of challenge, I think that you gain something when you lose something. So a lot no, of people... Have, it's a choice, that. too, I think. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's so easy, especially when you get a genetic diagnosis or um, a long-term diagnosis, chronic diagnosis. I mean, it's so easy to just want to just throw up your arms and be like, who cares? I'm done and just wallow in it. Um, that's the easiest thing to do when you first get the diagnosis or come to the reality of your situation. Mm -hmm. um, and it's okay to go through that phase, but 
you know, my thing has always been just try and find a positive, like find something that you can do because everybody has something they can contribute. Yeah. And you never know when you're going to be in a position where things change. So Mm -hmm. it's a good outlook to have no matter who you are. Exactly right. Exactly right. Okay. So the question of the week is... How do you get your guest speakers? Well, most of our, uh, I'm sorry, most, we've had three. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) We're seasoned. (laughs) Um, We actually, we, we know our guest speakers that we've had. Kay, actually, I should say, Mm -hmm. um, knows our guest speakers that we've had on. um, And we've been privileged enough um, for them to want to be on and, tell those stories. And I do want to say too, that we we're getting to a point now where people are starting to approach us and ask us if they could come on and talk about, you know, individual topics, would we be interested in covering this or that? So, um, you know, just putting it out there to anybody who might be listening, we are open to your suggestions. If you're wanting to come on, please let Mm -hmm. us know. Our whole purpose, you know, if you don't know it by now, our purpose is to show support and spread knowledge, you know, chronic illness mm-hmm. and, and, and those about kind of topics. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Yep. Chronic illness, mental illness, abuse, and anything where you need to overcome, where you need extra support. Um, we're definitely interested in those topics. So if you think we might be interested, then, you know, give us a try, look us up and and run it by us. Absolutely. Uh, Speaking of which, next week's topic kind of ties into what we were just saying, um, which is CPTSD and PTSD. Which is interesting to me because I just learned that there was a difference. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And we will be having a guest for this one as well. We will be welcoming back Angie. Angie uh, Roberts, I'm so Angie glad to have her back. Yeah, so we are very we are looking forward to this because all of us will have something to contribute onto this topic. Um, so it will be very insightful and interesting, and hopefully, um, you guys will find it informative. informative. Well, there she said it better than me. Yes, <laughs> ha, I beat you to it. <laughs> okay, so our final thoughts for this week. Um, is a quote from Helen Keller, who I believe is just perfect for this week's topic. Um, And she said, losing your eyesight separates you from things. Losing your hearing separates you from people. So very true. Mm -hmm. I imagine it is. So on that note, everybody, we will see you next time. And remember, as always, you are not alone. See you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Hi, so if you enjoyed this episode and want to know more, you can go to usher-syndrome.org. You can also find a great video at MyRPVision on YouTube and look for the video MyRPV2. And as usual, you can find us at anchor.fm slash unbreakable. And you can also find all of our media links there, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. Hope to see you again. Thanks for listening.